if you have never set boundaries with them before, it feels like almost a betrayal. It feels like a betrayal to put yourself... Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I am so happy that you chose to listen today. Whatever drew you to this podcast, or maybe you've been listening for a while, uh, I'm just thankful. I know, I'm grateful you found it. I always love to hear like how people found the podcast. So you guys know, I love when you message me on Instagram. I love to chat, connect. I will always have a conversation with you and I always love to ask like what episode brought you to the show and it's so funny because oftentimes people can't really remember and I'm the same way. Like there are so many podcasts that I just adore and when I've gotten to talk with the founders of them, they're like, oh well how did you find ours? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I found it. I don't remember. Uh, it's just all so good. And so I, I hope that's how you feel about this show. Uh, maybe you're just here for one episode, but either way, it's appreciated. <laughs> as far as, I mean, on the topic of podcasting, as you guys know, I am newly settled into Austin and I'm still trying to find my groove with this all. Currently, I have my setup in this spare closet (laughs) Uh, because there is so much noise not noise okay it's noise around me they're doing construction down the street from me and so just at various times of the day there are like huge dump trucks going by and then there's huge semis going by or something probably not a semi but some big truck um They're always like leaf blowing stuff. I don't know what they're leaf blowing. There aren't any leaves like leaves on the ground here. Uh, There's usually like one or two big motorcycles that go by. And so I'm just trying to find like the perfect time of day when there's the least commotion. Um, And so this closet seems to be the best for sound, but we'll see. I'm actually debating a few different options moving forward with the podcast, so. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Let's see if I can manifest some stuff here. Uh, but otherwise, today's actually a episode with another podcaster, and I'm so excited to bring such a beautiful soul onto the podcast, expose you all to her, and hopefully you go check out her page, give her podcast a listen, because Alex Mateo of Pull It Together is truly a gem, has the most vibrant energy, and I just loved how This conversation really went all over the board. I went into it not really with a game plan because I didn't know much about Alex. And so I just wanted to kind of start out on some common ground and then see where it went. And I was very pleased with how it turned out. Hopefully you are as well. So in this episode, we discuss everything from learning to be patient with the processes of life. So maybe this is with manifesting or maybe it's with moving or finding love or friendship, whatever it is, just learning to have that patience and not be like, go, 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 hustle 24-7, because that's 
not always the way to go, you know? And in that, like tapping into the divine feminine and embracing that creativity. And as I share in the episode, actually, like this is something I've always struggled with and I still do where I'm just like, I don't know if it comes across this way, guys, but I am very like alpha female. Uh, It is in all my chart readings as well. And I just struggle to be, to just be, you know, be with life. Um, I struggle to be in that like softer, not even softer, I don't know. I just struggle to connect with my feminine, which could have to do with, you know, some of the incidents of my past. But but either way, it's just a great conversation for anyone that feels that struggle. Or even if you don't feel the struggle, maybe you're like feminine AF, like you're just in that flow. I don't know. It's like a good convo. (laughs) And so in this idea of creativity and the divine feminine, Alex shares her experience as an actress on Broadway, which is such a neat like situation. I loved hearing about it. She actually was in, um, I think it's at Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, I might be getting the name wrong. I'll link it below, but either way, it's like, I know, I know what it is. I just, I struggle with names, guys. I have the worst memory. Um, I will like black out on a guest name right before we're about to record. It's so bad. Even if they're like a friend, like names just go out the window for me. It's an issue. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, so we do discuss that, which is so interesting. And uh, the the conversation uh, wraps up on the idea of setting boundaries and people pleasing, which to be honest, this is my favorite part of the episode. So stay tuned for it because we just go off the rails. Like one thing leads to the next. And I was just so giddy because, you know, I went into it not knowing what this conversation would entail. And then by the end, I was like, hells yes. This is the type of empowerment, the type of conversations we all need to be having, or or in this case, that we all need to be listening to. So yeah, and besides that, on my end, there may be some minor editing complications. So this was the first episode I tried to edit with my new software. And I have no clue what happened. And you may hear at this one point where Alex is talking and then like within 0.5 of a second, the conversation somehow got shifted around. And so then I'm talking and part of what she said got either deleted or rearranged. I couldn't figure it out. So, I mean, it still flows. It probably doesn't sound too off, but you'll definitely pick up on it. And I wanted to explain my bad. (laughs) So let us know if you listen, what you think. Alex is on Instagram at pull it together as is her pod. Go ahead, give it a listen on Apple's iTunes. I just, wait, Apple's iTunes, that's the same freaking thing. I meant to say Spotify. You guys know what I mean. It's a Monday, Monday mood for sure. So connect with Alex and me. I am on Instagram at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. And as always, if you have just like two minutes of free time and love the show or love the guests, a rate and review helps so much. I love to read them and overall it just helps the show like perform better uh, in Apple, probably in Spotify too, I don't know. And then overall just helps people find the show, helps guests know that I'm a credible host, that I won't be like razzing on them, I don't know. So either way, if you have the time for it, I would very much appreciate it. So big love to you all and until next time, let's begin.
Well, I love that. And I kind of wanted to start out with a different question since we've just been chatting about podcasting (laughs) for the past five (laughs) minutes. Um, You know, I'm curious, looking back at your, you know, history with podcasting and the wonderful guests you've got to, you know, sit down or virtually speak with, what is one of the most like impactful lessons or takeaways you've had from, you know, one or two of those guests? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, There have been so many, but I would say like kind of the overall theme that I, I take away from a lot of people is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like done is better than perfect. And especially for me who like, you know, you've seen my media kit. I'm like, everything needs to be in order. Everything needs to be color coded. We need to be in a really like great place. It's very easy for me to like get stuck in the doing and in the perfecting before I release something. And really every woman that I have chatted with has been like, you know, put yourself out there and it'll, it'll come and it'll evolve in the way that it is supposed to evolve. And I have been really trying to lean into that. So it's been a process and COVID has certainly uh, helped slash like forced me into that, but it's been something that I really have taken to heart. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, that statement, that sentiment right there, it it really does teach you a lot. And teaches you a lot about like patience too. Cause I, mm. I feel, you know, in what you were saying there, at least how I relate is like similar, you know, that perfectionism wanting to do things certain ways also like trying to rush the process, you know? So it's like, <sighs> okay, I'm yes. going to start the podcast, but I want it to be at this mark, you know, by this date. And it's like, you've just got to learn to let go and surrender as cliche as that sounds. It's just, well, I think it's like kind of true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's so interesting because this is a lesson that like keeps coming up for me is like, uh, having patience. And I think more than ever during this time, I keep, it it is like at the forefront because for me, I'm like, okay, well, I know where I want it to go. And now it needs to get there like immediately. And it's really frustrating and it's really, um, you know, some days are easier than others. Um, I was chatting with Krista and Lindsay from almost 30, a few, God, it's probably almost a month ago now, but like a few weeks back. And one of the things that like kept coming up was this need to um, manage other people's um, experience of something. And instead of like letting things just evolve as they're supposed to evolve, like trying to get in there and like fuck with it basically. Am I allowed to curse on here? Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Double check because sometimes, you know, you get on some podcast and you're like, oh, I think I struck a nerve. Maybe oh, I wasn't yes. supposed to do I've that. I've done that. <laughs> um but yeah, and so so I'm trying to really like release this idea of having to like letting others experience things the way they are going to experience it and not not forcing myself to like get in there and have them experience it the way I want them to because that's all part of like the journey and that's part of like the process and that's part of growing as like an artist and a human being is being able to learn from things and I don't think that you can like truly learn from an experience if you are not um, having your own authentic impression of it or experience of it. 
Oh, I love that. And I, I think that is so true because, you know, I, I can think off the top of my mind, it's sometimes like with these episodes or with different areas of life too, it's like, I'm trying to figure out like the perfect, you know, like what's the perfect message to get across in this episode? Or like, what's that perfect thing I want them to experience or learn from this? And it's so funny because then, you know, if people message or they talk to you in real life and it's like, we all take so many different things away from one experience, right? Like there's some statistic out there where if an event happens and you ask, you know, five people of their, um, you know, perception of it, like it's all different, right? Like that's just how we all notice different things. We all take in different things. Uh, we're all looking for different things. And I, I think that is so true. And I'm curious now that you said that, is that something that, you know, kind of overlaps into your career and your experience with acting and being on stage where, you know, your job is to create like an experience for people in a sense, right? And so does that get complicated when, you know, you're trying to tell a story, play a part, but also keep in mind, like, how is the audience perceiving the situation in the moment? Yeah, I mean... Sort of. I mean, I, I, it, it's a tricky situation because you, there's certainly like a hierarchy and like a theatrical career. So like really it is the director's job to figure out like what the vision is that they want the audience to experience. And my job as an actor or as a performer is to um, figure out how to like bring life to that. And so one of the huge reasons why I started this podcast is because I felt like I didn't really have enough control over like my creative, my creativity and my creative experience. And I was going out there and I was doing the thing. Um, but especially during the audition process, I would leave just, or even just go in being like, okay, well, was that good enough? How did I like, did you like that? Was I, was it right? Do I look okay? Do I look like what you want me to look like? And it was just so I started to really notice this um, desperation kind of in me and it stopped being fun, not stopped being fun. Like I loved performing, but it stopped being as joyful as it once was because I think with anything in life, as if it starts out as something you're super passionate about and then it moves into like something that you make a living doing, there's this fine line that we're all kind of like figuring out how to walk. I'm sure you're figuring out with podcasting as well where you're like, okay, well, this starts as a passion project and as it grows, how do, how do I make it so that still lights me up? So while I never felt like I needed to control the audience's experience of me, I did feel like I needed to control the creative team's experience of me when I went into audition and when I went into perform. And so my way of taking back ownership of that was starting this podcast and starting um, conversations with women who I felt like were really slaying the game and were doing the thing and doing it really fucking well. Um, and as I started having these conversations, what I realized is that like, we are all creative beings, like everyone, if you're an accountant, a lawyer, a dancer, an artist, like everyone has this creative energy inside of them. And it's the people who have figured out how to tap into that, that I think are really, really successful. And 
that's kind of like been my whole life's purpose, like for the past, I don't know, like couple of years is like figuring out how to really intuitively tap into that spirit and that side of myself in a way that doesn't feel uh, desperate, but in a way that feels really authentic and aligned. Oh, I love that. You know, I have to say as someone who never identified as being creative, although I agree with you, like we all have it. The first time I started getting into like the realm of spirituality, you know, like the more woo-woo energetic side of things that I love and many people (laughs) listening love. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the first time I really heard people saying like, you know, tapping into creativity and like all this like inner work, it was just sort of a like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like I, I always identified as a, like, go, go, go. I'm a generator. I, you know, I work hard. I do all of that. And to me, the idea of being, <clears throat> you know, like necessarily creative or tapping into any of that sort of energy just felt like soft, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was just a, an imprint I had. And so I'd love to learn, like, just to hear about how you tap into that more creative side of yourself, whether that's through work or just fun play, whatever it is, just to show people like some different sides to what creativity can look like. Yeah, I love that. So um, first off, same. I'm like super type A and I'm very, I'm just like really organized and I organized in like a chaotic way, if that makes any sense. But like, I like, (laughs) I'm a doer. I like to do things. I like to like really you know, it's something that like my boyfriend gives me shit all the time because he's like, you need to let me like feel my feelings about this. It's like, okay, for me to be upset. And I'm like, I know, but I want to fix it. How do I fix it? Um, So that's like really hard. It's really hard to like tap into that more feminine energy. And I think that that's one of like the common themes that keeps coming up for me this year has been, um, allowing myself to be soft and not only just allowing myself, but like encouraging myself because I also grew up in, um, as an actor, as a like Italian woman, it's like, or as just like a woman in general. So often like having emotions is seen as like a weakness. And so often people are like, oh, well, if a woman is feeling an emotion, she's being hysterical. And it's really like, um, kind of talked down to in a way. And I think that that is really when we don't get overwhelmed by that, but when we really can start like allowing ourselves to feel the full like wave of an emotion without it like overtaking us, that's when we can really start leaning into like the flow. So like I chatted with Ava Johanna, got a, a while back. She was one of my earlier guests, but she talks a lot about like this balance of masculine and feminine and I'm still trying to like figure out what that is but like for me it's giving myself a lengthy morning routine like one of the things that she said in our interview that like is so simple but is so um helpful in terms of like training your intuition is like when you wake up just like instead of immediately like going into like grabbing your phone or getting up and making yourself a cup of coffee it's like wake up, take a breath and be like, okay, what does my body like want today? Like what feels good? What is like, what do I want to say yes to? And 
kind of letting that guide your morning a little more. Um, I find that I find I'm able to get a lot more creative when I do my meditations, which, you know, it's hard to do every single day, but I would say I try to do it, you know, four or five days a week. And that is really helpful. And I, it, it sounds so simple, but just like doing what feels good and unplugging, it's like going for a walk and not having your headphones in and just like acknowledging the beauty in the world or, you know, moving your coffee table and turning on music that you really like and just dancing for a second. It doesn't, it's so easy, especially as like entrepreneurs or people who are creative professionals to get tied up in our performance as a result of like uh, our worth, I guess. And, and they're not really intertwined. And I think it's so important to foster that kind of creative energy um, from a place of curiosity even if you are someone who is a creative professional. Does that make any sense? So like even if you are someone who like their job is to get on stage and dance every single day, it's still important for you to figure out how to like light that creative fire on your own where it's not tied to a performance or not tied to a result. Yeah. I mean, that makes complete sense to me. It, you know, it resonates in the idea of whenever you get too comfortable with anything, like the growth stops, right? So that could be with a profession, even if it is creative, it could be just with life in general, uh, whatever it is, like once you've reached that comfort space, like that's amazing, you know, you, you know, we do crave comfort as human beings, but when you stay in that comfort and you're not doing anything to challenge yourself or to grow or to be curious, like, you, you do just, you quit growing. And I, I think that's so important to be curious for creativity. And I know for me personally, it'll come in just like in ebbs and flows. Like I'll have a span of time where I'm just extremely creative. Right. And I just like create, 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 you know, I, I take all the photos, I do all the writing, I do all the things. And then it's just like, I, you know, just like with everything, it's like I reach that point of burnout and then I'm kind of in the creativity rut and it's like someone just turned the faucet off and, you know, all the water is quit flowing, all the creativity is quit flowing. And so it's interesting to me, like, I like that idea about being curious for the creativity because I think I've sort of allowed myself to fall into this ebb and flow, which makes sense. You know, it has to do with our menstrual cycle as well. Like there's so many factors there. But even in those times when I feel like I'm in that creative rut, like if I could, you know, maybe push myself to be creative or push myself to find the curiosity in creativity. Like, I feel like that's such a key thing there. And I, I hadn't really tied those two together, that curiosity to be creative. So I love that you said that. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's so important to, you know, I think we have been taught for so long that like creativity is just like this vessel of inspiration and it just like comes down from the gods and it's like we just have it and it's amazing and you either have it or you don't and like sometimes that is how it is and that's amazing but also sometimes you have to like fucking work your tail off and you have to push yourself to have experiences to hopefully get somewhere like we are in co-creation with the universe so we can't just sit down and wait for 
like divine inspiration to come every single time we want to do something creative. Nothing would get done if we were waiting for like divine inspiration every time we like wrote something or did a podcast. It's like it would never get completed because you have to work. You have to do something. And, and it is. It's finding, finding that balance because, yes, there are days where you're going to experience burnout and it is so important to like allow yourself the cookies and the wine and the just like vegging out and sitting and doing whatever. But um, you know, it, it can't, you have to at some point push yourself because it, it, just like um, you get comfortable with like creating, you also can get comfortable with not creating. And I think it's like noticing when we start to get too comfortable and giving ourselves tools to get out of that, to get out of that creative rut, to get out of that um, like kind of low vibe or low energy. No, yeah, I think that is so true. And, um, you know, I'm kind of curious when it comes to getting out of that space per se, you know, when you're doing this as a career, as a profession, as we sort of mentioned before, I'm just curious, you know, like when it came to being, because you were on Broadway, correct? Yeah, I am. So I'm yeah, currently so, in Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway, um, but, you know, COVID. So yes. we're on a hiatus. <laughs> but yes, that is my um, like typical like nine to five job is I'm a Broadway performer. Yeah. So like I'm just I guess I'm curious in the sense like when you're like, I guess what I'm trying to say here as I'm stumbling over my words is how has this relationship with creativity been with that career. You know what I mean? Like with a job like that, where you're going out on stage, I don't know how often you perform, but it's like, and you've got to kind of get in that. I feel like it's a creative role. Like you've got to go all in as this character that you are on stage. And so I'm just curious, like when it comes to fusing creativity with that role, like I just, I guess let's like, let's just talk about that for a bit. I'm curious to see what it's like for you to be on Broadway in that sense while being, you know, someone that's tapping into creativity and infusing that in their life as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I always say being an actor, like a life of an actor has been my greatest challenge and my biggest reward. It is a very difficult (laughs) life and livelihood. And, um, you know, it's, it got really, really high highs and it's got really, really low lows and it's easy to get sucked into that. Um, something that I have found really helpful through that journey is, I, you know, you mentioned you're a generator. I'm a projector. Part of like being a projector is, you know, riding the emotional wave and being able to experience the highs and experience the lows um, and really kind of like neutralize before you make a decision. And that has been epic for me because um, as a performer and as just like a really uh, high energy person, um, it's, I'm really comfortable in the extremes. I live in the extremes. My whole career, my whole life is in the extremes. I'm Italian. So my whole family's in the extremes. It's like everything is like high highs, low lows. I feel very good there. Um, So when I get to a place where there is not like epic shit happening, I immediately am like, something is wrong. The sky is falling. Like, 
where do we go? What do we do? And I, and it's really easy for me to panic. Um, and that is true for both my life as a performer and just my life as like Alex human being on this planet. So I have been trying to just like acknowledge when I'm at a high, high and acknowledge when I'm at a low, low and not, not need to react, just sit with an emotion for a second and feel it and allow the discomfort. Um, Cause I, I had two conversations recently, one yesterday with my therapist and one <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago with Tina Marie Clark, um, where she had said, you know, it's so important to like sit with an emotion because we as humans just want to push, push it off of us. We don't want to sit with us. We want to get it, get it off, give it to someone else to deal with it. So that's why we are so reactive just by nature. And I was, you know, having this conversation with my therapist yesterday where I was like, I'm just so irritated, angry, and da, 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 and I just want to fix it. And she was like, so when that impulse comes up, she goes, the discomfort is not from like, the, the discomfort that comes up is like, you're not comfortable. Um, you're not comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think it's something that like, we just need to learn as creatives, as humans, as artists, is like, we are going to be uncomfortable in life. And how can you sit with that discomfort and, and acknowledge that like, that's an urge that you are trying to um, suppress in a weird way. Um, obviously, we all want to be able to express ourselves. And that's so, so important. But it's also um, important for us to be able to acknowledge resistance and sit with the resistance in order for us to grow. Because if we keep reacting in the way that we've always done it, we're going to stay the same. And so in, in terms of like my career as an actor, I would get really upset if like an audition didn't go my way. Or I would get really um, blue if like they had the under, other understudy go on instead of me go on. And it was just this ongoing process of allowing myself to learn how to be comfortable without, with being uncomfortable. And that has been something that's been really huge for me. I, I also just feel like as it, it's all tied in, it's hard to just like separate my like actor self from like my creative, like life self, because they're so intertwined. So I feel like as I grow creatively and as, as I grow spiritually, I am able to be a lot more grounded as a performer and as a creative. Does that make, I know I went like a whole like roundabout way to get there, but does that make any sense? <laughs> no, that makes complete sense. And I was actually going to ask you about that. So funny. I'm so glad you brought that up, but like, that's something I've always personally been curious about is that like, where is the line between acting self and the real life self. Do you know what I mean? Because I know I'm someone, I pick up on like everything around me. I mean, depending on the people I'm with, the place I'm at, like I just take on the energy, the emotions, you know, like the way, the way I speak, the way I act. It's just like constantly shifting and evolving. And I just personally like can't imagine 
I, I feel like I would carry my acting self over into my real life self and I would just kind of struggle with that. So that's, you know, I was going to ask you about that is because, you know, and you mentioned there with the creativity, but I've just always found it fascinating, you know, how to differentiate between like the two very separate lives and roles that you're playing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I I think what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like when you're playing like a role on stage and like taking that home with you. Yes. And so what I do on Broadway is I understudy a ton of roles. That's what's called a swing. So I do like I understand like 12 different parts. So I'm not like constantly in like one heady space, like all the time. Um, But I have done that like with regional theater and tours and stuff like that, where I play the same role every single night. And yeah, it's really hard to separate yourself from that. I think that it's so important to give yourself space before and after a performance to kind of like come back to yourself. So, you know, usually you have to get to the theater like a half hour before the show. And if you are playing like a really intense role, most people get there significantly earlier than that. And just give yourself kind of like this ritual of getting into costume and warming up and getting like your body warmed up and getting kind of in that headspace. And then afterwards, giving yourself a cool down and allowing yourself to really like come back to you and to who you are because yes it is so easy to those lines get really blurred and I I think it's just making a conscious effort to to not do that to stay who you are and yeah that (laughs) yeah no and I I think that is true and I guess when it comes to just like your day-to-day life then do you find yourself like do you struggle with being you know like I guess maybe struggle is not the right word but you know I don't know would you identify perhaps as like an empath or as someone that is taking on like the energy of those around you and this is just something I've been meaning to explore lately with you know guests is just like the idea of being an empath and being so susceptible to like everything that goes on around us, you know, and how that affects, how that can affect us in the like day-to-day life that we live. Yeah. It's really hard. And it's, I think, especially now more than ever, if you're like uh, an empath is like incredibly difficult because there's just so much pain and suffering in the world and I think that it's really easy to get caught up in that and I think that's why it's so important to like intentionally like search for moments of joy and moments of beauty and really carve out that time for yourself um, whether it's with of the craziness of it all because I think that we're uh, I, I think that we it's so easy to look at the world and just be like, how, okay, I I should be doing something all the time. And especially with everything that's going on now, just being like, okay, so how, what petition can I sign now? And how, who can I donate to? And how can I like be an active participant in what's going on in the world? And that is amazing. You need that. But like, you cannot continue to give unless you continue to like fill yourself up and, it's not selfish to practice self-care. 
It is not selfish to invest in yourself and to refill your own vessel because then you can show up as the more authentic version of yourself. Like you can't help people the way that in, in the best way. Hold on one second. Baby, please stop whistling. <laughs> Sorry. You're okay. I hardly heard it until you said that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's like we just can't show up as the best version of ourselves if we are constantly um, giving, 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 giving. And it's so important to give and it's so important to be like an active participant in what is going on in the world. But if you just continue to take everything on, it's like you're not going to be any good to anybody else. Like we need you to be the best version of yourself. So take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And part of that involves like, figuring out what you're grateful for, finding the joy, finding the moments of peace and solitude so that like you have that motivation to be helpful to others. Um, and it's, you know, we're, we're still learning and growing and I'm, it's something that I'm very much still working on and I'm very much an empath, but like there are so many other people that I know that feel so much deeper than I do even. And, and it's hard. I can't, I, it, it's just a lot. I, I am able to um, disconnect a little bit more because I've kind of put that boundary in place at times where I'm like, okay, well, I am going to disconnect for this weekend and I'm going to go and I'm going to go on my hike and I'm going to do my thing because I need to like recharge and refill. Um, and it's just figuring out how to do that for yourself, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think so many of us feel that sense of selfishness when it comes to self-care, but then also with something such as setting boundaries, because I'm, you know, similar to you in that I, you know, I am an empath and I, you know, feel that way, but there are definitely boundaries that I've been able to set that have certainly helped, you know, in that sense. And I think that once more, it's, you know, what you said earlier about how women, it's like, if you show too much emotion, you're hysterical. It's the same idea where sometimes if, you know, we do set the boundaries and we have, you know, we put our foot down and we're like, this is, you know, this is my, this is what I'm going with. This is what I'm deciding. Uh, you know, it's like, that's like our resting bitch face. Like, you know, there's so many yeah. ways that we get degraded. It's like, we're either too soft or we're too hard. And <laughs> it's like, which way do we go? Right. And so I think that is so true. And, you know, last, something else I'll say on it is just um, someone w once said, you know, they had to realize that, yes, they were filling their cup, you know, metaphorical cup back up, self-care cup, whatever, but there were holes in the bottom, right? So it was like everything was just leaching out like much faster than it should. And it took them really setting boundaries and disconnecting to like patch up those holes. So then that way, when they do, care for themselves and they're filling up that metaphorical cup it's not just like draining all right back out again and I think that's that was like a big realization for me too right like am I doing this one thing as an act of self-care but then letting these five other things greatly impact that said self-care in a sense if that if that makes sense <laughs> yeah totally and and you know like setting boundaries is really hard like you know it, it's some, I feel like it's like the word of the year is like boundaries and I'm like yes I love that but then when you start setting boundaries with people who you've never had boundaries with before like for example your family like because that's usually like the first per people that you end up setting boundaries with 
If you have never set boundaries with them before, it feels like almost a betrayal. It feels like a betrayal to put yourself before like what they're feeling. And that's something that I'm really trying to navigate because I, my go-to is I, I'll get like angry. I'll get agitated because I'm like, well, why aren't you understanding the boundaries that I have put in place? And it's like, there is a learning curve there and I, I don't know the answer to it, but like what I am learning right now is like, how, how do I have, um, how do I allow space for that um, shift to happen? Because it doesn't happen overnight. And also like you can tell someone your boundaries as much as you want, but like sometimes people don't listen to them. And how can you set a boundary? And if people cross that, like really be okay with just saying, okay, I'm going to step away then and like walking and not being a bitch about it, but just like self-preservation. And for me, if someone doesn't like respect a boundary, my immediate impulse is like, okay, well, this is why you should, and this is why you're wrong. And so um, it's really like this self-work of being like, okay, well, I'm noticing this is getting crossed. And for my own self-preservation, I'm not going to let myself like get bent out of shape about it. I'm just going to step away. I think that especially as women, we have this need to like over-explain. And over-explain is actually through this podcast and through Instagram, because they're so many parts of yourself get to come out. Right. And then it was like, automatically, I felt like I had to explain why I thought that way or why I felt that way, or, you know, why did I bring that up in that conversation? And I kept doing that. And I, you know, I think for me personally, I don't know about you, but I think it tied back to like my people pleasing tendencies Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, whether it was something to do with a boundary or something I said, whatever it was, if I felt like I had wronged someone or I felt like it was just an uncomfortable space, it was just like, let me explain my, let me explain like why I'm me fundamentally, right? Like we're explaining our natural habits, our natural tendencies, whatever it is. And, um, and it is interesting, I think, to look at like, how does that over explaining tie into perhaps that people pleasing tendency that once more, <laughs> we as women are sort of, you know, into, ingrained since childhood to, to be that way, to, you know, modify ourselves to please whatever situation we're in in the moment. Yeah. And it, it's so easy when you like think about it with other people as opposed to yourself. It's like, of course, you're, you're not going to be everyone's like cup of tea, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. It's like, and, and why would you want to? Like, why would you want to be so like, that like you'd never agitate anybody it's like as as long as if someone communicates with you and says hey this really hurt me and you're able to say that was not my intention I appreciate you telling me I'll like I'll try to not do that I, I mean it's like you can't you can't please everybody and I think that we have this idea in our head that like we have to be liked by everyone I know I have that idea in my head and we just don't. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, you know, has there ever been a time where, you know, whether someone just had a firm boundary with you or they just, you know, kind of was very open and honest about the fact of, you know, like we're not getting along right here. Like, have you ever been in that space where there was open conflict, but it was in, in an almost peaceful mode. I don't know if that makes sense, but like there's been 
circumstances in the past few months where with either friends or loved ones, like we've been able to have a space of open conflict where it was like, instead of trying to brush over something or, you know, like explain ourselves to cover it up, we were just able to like openly disagree and openly share like this hurt me, that hurt me. Um, you know, I'm just kind of curious if that's come up for you or how you sort of navigated a situation like that, if so. Yeah, I mean, that's come up so many times <laughs> um, because, like, there is something to be said for, like, being able to compassionately disagree with someone. Um, it's harder in, like, the current political climate. That is something that I really struggle with because I just – I don't have a lot of patience Um for that. Um, but in terms of just someone being able to say, hey, you hurt me, like the most simple example is like, I have a really close, if you've listened to my podcast, I'm sure you know, I have a really, really close group of girlfriends. And one of my best friends, I was like a couple of years ago, like completely like forgot about her birthday, basically. Um, and we're big birthday people. And it just, it was, a, I was a garbage friend. And I just like, I didn't even it didn't occur to me until it was too late. And I said, happy birthday later. And then I went and met up with them after the fact and da, da, da. But it was like three weeks later or so. I was out and I was having lunch with my girlfriend and she sat across from me and we were having like a great day. And she was like, hey, I just need to like bring up something with you because um, it's still bothering me. And I just want to kind of talk to you about it. Like I was really, really hurt um, by how you handled my birthday like a few weeks ago and I felt like you um, just completely forgot about it and pretended like you hadn't forgot about it and you just weren't present and I it just really hurt my feelings a lot and I had truly nothing to say besides like you're 100% right and I'm so sorry that like you had to be the one to bring up this conversation and like I didn't have the balls to do it myself, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like that it's sometimes like there's nothing you can do. And what I, what I am trying to be really mindful of in, when a situation like that happens, because I think something that we do as humans a lot is hijack someone else's moment with like our emotions. So I think it's so easy when someone comes to you and says like, Hey, you did this thing that you did really hurt me for then you to get really emotional about it and start like kind of hijacking the moment a little bit, like crying or being like, oh my God, of course I would never do that intentionally. I love you. Da, 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 da. And it's like, it um, of course all comes from like a place of love, but then that person who was really the person who needed the consoling is now sitting there consoling you and telling you like, oh, no, 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 that's okay. I know you didn't mean to. And then like the whole thing is not really beneficial. So I'm trying to work on like when someone is confronts me about something, not, not hijacking that moment and allowing it to be about the other person. And once again, just sitting in the discomfort because like, it's so, it's so applicable to so many parts of our life. Like you can't grow unless you're uncomfortable. Like if you, if you are changing, if you are growing, you will be uncomfortable at points in your life. And like, how can we be learn to be okay with that? Thank you. I know that was an odd question. So thank you for answering it because I think like that was such a prime example right there. I've had that come up in my own life lately. I think, as you said, it can apply to so many aspects of it, right? 
And, you know, to me, what I was hearing is that idea of once more, like when we hijack the moment like that, how, like that's us explaining ourselves, right? Because mm -hmm. if she had said that to, uh, to you, a response that many of us could have replied is, you know, basically like, let me explain all the reasons why I forgot your birthday, right? And then what that comes across is these are all the reason, these are all the things that were more important to me at that time than your birthday. And I mm -hmm. feel like it's just, as you said, like you're hijacking the moment from someone that really just needs to like share how they're honestly feeling. But instead of allowing that discomfort and sitting in it, we have to work to fix it by explaining ourselves or by coddling them, you know, like that people pleasing tendency shoots in. So I love that. That's such a like prime good example because it's, you know, once more like the simple things that can really mean a lot to us and equally they can hurt a lot, you know, when, when it goes away like that. And if we can just sit in the discomfort, if we can be there for them, like it just, it's magical, whether that's for friendship, family, relationship, work, however it be. So I, I really love that you shared that. <laughs> yeah. And then just to like tie it back to boundaries again, because I think that this is something that I'm learning to do and I think has been really helpful is like when you go in, first off, I think it's really hard to like ad address a conflict like in the moment. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of people who would disagree with me, but for me, as someone who is really emotional, like, I know that in order for my emotions not to take over, it's better for me to, like, give it a breath and, like, come to it after I've slept, after it's, like, like give yourself a 24-hour moment. And I, I have found, especially with people that, like, I really care about their opinions, for example, like, well, I'll just use like my mom. I love my mom. My mom and I are so, so close. I have a really hard time separating my opinion from her opinion because like she's my mother. <laughs> um, so for me, when you sit down with someone, I think it's so important to say, hey, I'm in, I want to talk to you about something. I need you to like, let me speak. I need you, like, I don't want, like, please let me get this whole thing out. Um, I, I'm not looking to like fix anything. I just need to have this conversation with you and I need to I need to say my piece before before you jump in. Or not even with conflict, with asking for criticism or feedback is um, you know, going to someone and saying, Hey, I'm sending you my trailer for podcast season three or whatever. And um, can you listen just for sound quality? Like I don't I don't need you to like nitpick everything because people, people do and they do it yep. from a place of love and I do it too. It's so easy, especially when it's someone that you care about where you're like, oh, this is how it could be better and this is how it could be this and this is how it could be that. And it's like all we really want is to be like seen and heard and understood. And so like, uh, like we are all seeking like validation in some way. And so it's like how can you validate with that person? giving them like constructive criticism, but in a way that's digestible for them. And I think that comes from like setting the boundary for yourself prior to the conversation so that like you can protect yourself so that you don't get hurt, so that you don't have someone that you love giving you like 47,000 like critiques over like a two minute thing, you know? Yeah, no, I, and I so agree from what you said in the beginning, the allowing time for emotional you know, kind of emotional stability because similar, you know, you kind of said in the beginning, like, it's easy for you to get riled up. And I'm the same way. Like I, 
if I were to embrace conflict the moment it's happening, like I'd probably either get into like a yelling match with someone or start crying. Like I go from one extreme to the next, you know? And so having that time to really sit, I think is so crucial. And then, yeah, going into things, like just not being afraid to say, yeah, like to just like set your boundary right then and there, you know, like it it might just be a temporary boundary for that conversation, whatever it is, similar to you and your mom, it's me with my dad. Like I constantly have to tell him, I'm just telling you this, please do not give me your, you know, your advice because I don't think you understand it in the same way as me. Like there's just so many ways that we can protect ourselves from getting hurt. Um, It just takes maybe saying like a few words that seem uncomfortable in the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I'm not a parent, so I don't know that how that feels but I can imagine like when it's someone that you love so much like I I notice I do it with my boyfriend I notice I do it with like my friends my mother the people that I love like most deeply I feel like when they are having conflict it's like you want to fix it it's like okay well how can I say something that will make you think of it in a different way and so often like when people come to the people that they really like love and have that like intimate relationship with they want to be comforted they want to be acknowledged and taken care of and then like once you're acknowledged and once you have like validated kind of like what that person is feeling then you can tackle it from like a a more like healed place yeah and i mean what that made me think of is you know i've seen a through a few threads on it lately but just the idea of like toxic positivity, you know, almost like, yes, yes. And I find I do this, you know, I have a brother who tends to be like, I always, we've always joked, he's like the pessimist and I'm the optimist. And we just like clash in that way, but get along so well. But what I do is he'll come to me with an, you know, an issue or whatever it is. And I, for the longest time was just like stuck in that, like toxic positivity of how can I spin this to, you know, to be positive, to make him feel better, to do this or that. And eventually it got to the point where I realized like, he's just looking to vent right now. Or, you know, like I I can't let my like woo woo positive, like energy shifting self get in there and try to like fix this. Like I, I can't fix this right now. So yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear you, you seemed excited about that idea of toxic positivity. So I'd love to hear what you have on that. (laughs) Well, it reminds me of, um, I'm going to sound like a total nerd right now, but you know, that, that Pixar movie inside out. I've never Um, watched it, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) First off, it's so good. You'll cry. It's so good, (laughs) but it's basically like all of these emotions and like, you know, it's the emotions of like a 10 year old or whatever. So it's like, you know, happy, sad, angry, like disgust or whatever some and so joy is like the prevailing like feeling and you know this they're stuck in this land or whatever and this character's crying 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 and she's just there like trying to fix it and being like well look at this and look at this and how amazing would this be and what what if we dance let's dance let's do something and then like sadness just comes up who everyone like poo-poos on the whole show and sits next to him is like oh I can't imagine like that must be really hard for you like I can't imagine feeling that way it must feel really awful and I'm I'm so sorry and da, da 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 and then he just cries and he's like okay I feel better now and it's like just this idea that like all of your emotions are valid and we're and are necessary and you know there are 
there are moments of your day like where you should be enraged at something. There's moments where you should be like devastated and sad. And if we don't allow ourselves to like feel those things, then you're not going to like you're just going to stuff them down and it, it's going to all come out in a really unhealthy way later on. It's one of my first podcast episodes, like prior to this version of the podcast, I had like another version with a friend of mine like a year ago. And it, the first one was called Fuck Fear. And we talk about like how you have all of your emotions in a car, but like one of them. And it's like at a certain some points in your life, like fear should be in the driver's seat. Sadness should be in the driver's seat. If your mother dies, like joy is not going to be in the front driver's seat. Like, you know, so it, it, it's allowing all of your emotions to like live in the same space and then giving yourself permission to let a prevailing emotion, like get into the driver's seat in a healthy way and in a, in a way that honors like what you're going through. Yeah. No, I love, I love that, you know, idea right there, because I think it is so true. And even as you were saying that, thinking back to moments in my life where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe grief should have been driving for a while before I had, you know, before I tried to like stuff joy right into that driver's seat, you know, and there's so many ways, like if you imagine it's like that car just full of everything. And if you're trying to shift things out before, like before they've had their due time, before they've run their course, um, I just think that is so true. And some, you know, I love talking about like that whole body wellness idea on this podcast, because so often we push aside those emotions of emotional health. And I mean, they affect everything else. Like, you know, I know you're into the woo woo, like there's so many ways that emotions affect our physical form and our physical health and so many ways we store them. And as you said, like when you shove them down, when you suppress them, like how does that manifest as like heightened depression or heightened anxiety or panic attacks? And there's just so many ways that emotions are just like this trigger for other things, but we just, we discount them. You know, it's like, it's more important that I run five miles today rather than deal with this heavy emotion that I'm feeling. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so many ways that we don't, we don't give them that driver, that driver's seat and let them run their course. So I love that. Yeah. I, I talk about this idea of zero days a lot. Actually, I don't know if I've talked, I think I've talked about it on my podcast, but I've talked about it a lot when I've been guests on podcasts. Um, my friends, actually the same friend from the other story, um, her mother was talking to me about this concept of zero days where she was like, I was like, I'm just like, I've tried everything I can to get out of it. I feel like shit. I just feel like so low energy and depressed and like I've gone for a run and it's not helping and I don't want, I'm just angry and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you're having a zero day. And a zero day, it's like once you've tried some things and it's not turning around, you declare it a zero day, you get your ice cream, you do your thing, you're like, allow it to be a garbage day. Um, but the rule of a zero day is that you can't have more than one in a row. So the next day, like you wake up and you like with the intention to start your day better. And so like, how can I begin my day a little more refreshed? So whether that's like, okay, today's going to be a better day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to go for a run. And like, it's, it's just like forcing yourself to be like incrementally a little, a little better than the day before. But sometimes we just have zero days and you just declare it a zero day. And it's something about like actually just saying like, you know what, fuck it. It's a zero day. It's really like cathartic. You feel really good about it. You're like, you know what? I'm just, 
it's the universe. It's not me. I'm done. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I love the term zero day because I, that was actually me yesterday. I tried every like fucking tool and tip and trick that I have in my toolbox and nothing was turning my day around. And it just, yeah, I got to the point where I was just like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm just going to make the most of this day that I can. And there is something freeing about that versus just trying to trudge along and feeling like, you know, feeling like a failure or feeling like all these other emotions that can come up versus if you just say like, okay, today is my day. Today is my zero day. Um, today, you know, the next day I woke up and I, I'm just much happier, much better mood. You know, like I had that intention waking up of yesterday. I allowed myself to just sort of go with it. And today is like back to semi-normal, you know, it's back to like doing, doing what I have to do. And so I like, I like that zero day. Uh, I, I, I ship it. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, this has been such a lovely conversation and I just, yeah, we could probably talk about all the stuff for so long. So where can people find you, learn more about you? I love your podcast. You just have the most energetic spirit. So um, where can people find you? You are so sweet. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Um, For, well, you should check out my podcast. (laughs) It's really good. It's called Pull It Together. And it is for women who are redefining what it means to be creative. So go there. We debunk myths of creativity. It's amazing. I talk with like amazing, inspiring, incredible women. And we are on Instagram at Pull It Together Pod. I am on Instagram at Alexandra Mateo. And you can find how to contact us, all that jazz on our website, pulltogetherpod.com. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs>